Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Replant Bootcamp, back at it again. Hey, Bootcampers, Jimbo Stewart here, as always, with the wonderful Bob Bickford, who's been playing in the snow all day in St. Louis. Jimbo, it is snowmageddon here in, <laughs> in the Midwest, and we're at, let me pull up the temperature for you, because I love to send you in the morning time, the morning temperature, you typically say either yuck, gross, or no thank you. <laughs> I think those are the those are the range of responses that I get from you. So let's let me read this to you, and then let's get a verbal instead of a text. All right, okay. let's, all right, let's, let's hear it. it. All right. So Jimbo, it is three degrees, Ooh. and it feels like negative seventeen. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look, my entire my entire life, I, I realized this the other day. My entire life, I lived within an hour of I ten which is, you know, it goes from Jacksonville to California. And I have lived pretty close to I-10 my entire life. So right on the same longitude or latitude or whichever one that one is. So I say I like to live where Spanish moss grows. You know, Spanish moss, beautiful kind of stuff hanging from the trees. I, I want to, if I can see Spanish moss, I know I'm probably going to be able to survive the climate. But <laughs> I, am, I was not built for that kind of weather. Well, the older I get, the more I'm thinking I need to move to Del Boca Vista 3 and uh, join you <laughs> in Florida. Eat dinner at 4.30, go to bed at 8, get up at 4.45. I pretty much do that right now anyway, so why not do it in a warm climate? <laughs> I did eat dinner fairly early last night because I got us a reservation. We're recording this on a Monday after valentine's day i hope you treated barb well bob i took audrey out to a, a nice restaurant but i could either get a reservation at 5 15 or at 9 45 and ooh, ooh. i didn't i did not have to consult audrea to figure out which one she wanted and so we went with the 5 15 at yeah. biscotti's if you're ever in jacksonville florida in the avondale section there's a place called biscotti's that has the best bread pudding in Jacksonville. Fantastic. Well, Barb and I availed ourselves since it was uh, after church, Valentine's Day on a Sunday. We did lunch at the Frisco Bar Room here in Webster Groves and a great little spot, one of our favorites. And we we enjoyed a, a great lunch together and, and very small crowd. I did see, and you would be interested to know about this, but have you ever heard of the year-round shorts guy? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, basically, it's a dude who doesn't matter what year, what time of the year, what temperature, he's got shorts on. Just what he does. He's year-round shorts guy. There was a year-round shorts guy in, like, single-digit weather with mm -hmm. minus negative degree wind chill, having Valentine's lunch with his family, his wife, and another family in the Frisco Bar Room. Mm -mm. No. No, I, I, I don't think I could, I could do that. I don't think I've ever seen you in shorts. I'm not, I am not a shorts guy. I, I don't wear shorts very often. I mean, like when we go to the beach, I wear shorts, but outside of that, I don't ever wear shorts. Yeah. Well, I got to show my legs off every once in a while. 
<laughs> One last food thing, and then we'll dive into the actual content of the podcast. Tomorrow, so we're recording this on Monday, February 15th. Tomorrow is Fat Tuesday. Yes. Mardi Gras day. And my wife is always on me every year to make her for scratch from scratch a king cake. And she has been dropping not so subtle hints lately. Was it just kind of like a big cinnamon roll with a plastic doll in it? Is that kind of what a king cake is? That that would be a very simplistic way of describing a king cake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> have you ever found the doll and have you ever broken a tooth on the doll or have you ever swallowed the doll? And is it a doll or is it a baby? Is it an infant Jesus? What is it? It's a baby Jesus. Yeah, okay. it's, it's baby Jesus. And so... Okay. I found baby Jesus multiple times, which means you have to be the next one to provide a king cake. But I've never swallowed baby Jesus or chipped a tooth on it. Okay. All right. Well. But all right. Well, let's move on a little bit from the food portion that's become our general intro to each <laughs> podcast and move on to we're ending the six irreducible minimums as we've been talking about with all the chaos that is the last 18 months or so. What what do you focus on? Focusing on the fundamentals. And so we listed out six irreducible minimums. One, pursue first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Two, preach the word. Three, equip the saints for the work of ministry. Four, make disciples who make disciples. Five, engage the community. Six, trust the Lord to build his church. And so really, this one is kind of the cap off of it all because what what we hope to accomplish with this list of irreducible minimums is not to make you feel overwhelmed or overburdened with all the million things that you're pressured to do, but just the most basic biblical things we're called to do. But then in the end, we have to trust the Lord with the harvest. That's right, Jimbo. And I think this is could be the most important irreducible minimum mm -hmm. for you to hang your hat on and your emotions on, mm -hmm. and your perspective on. What would be some practical step, steps to help a pastor really prepare his heart to be able to do that? To, I mean, we, we, it's one of those things, I think, that like a Sunday school answer, Christianese talk, we, we, we could say it anywhere in a Christendom world, and everybody's going to nod their head, yes, absolutely, Trust the Lord. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Too blessed to be stressed. <laughs> but how do we actually do that, Bob? Well, Jim, Bob, I'm going to tell you a little story about last Sunday. All right. Mm -hmm. So Saturday afternoon, you know, polishing up the sermon, thinking through it, praying through it, kind of editing a little bit, heading into Saturday night, Sunday morning. One of my elders calls me, pick up the phone like I normally do. And he said, uh, hey, uh, it's going to be cold tomorrow. What do you think about, what do you think about church tomorrow? And in my mind, I'm going, well, the streets are clear. The, the lot is clear and uh, it's just going to be cold. I think we're going to have it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, apparently Jimbo during the pandemic, Missourians and St. Louisans in particular have lost their ability to be in cold weather because we had a few folks that decided it was too cold to go to church in person. Oh, yeah. I, I really think the distance engagement in air quotes that has happened, while there has been some good that has come from the digital engagement, 
I really do think it's kind of created this comfortability with just not being there in person. Absolutely. And, you know, man, it's frustrating because it's like all of us are asking, when, when is everybody coming back to church? And and so to to kind of short cycle this one in, in terms of talking about this, how, how do I do that personally? And I just remind myself of the season we're in. And I also remind myself of evaluating myself on doing the, the previous five of the six irreducible minimums, right? Am I doing these things? Mm-hmm. And I go back to that. And then I, I, I will say to myself in this particular one, I've got to trust God to build his church. It's his church anyway. I can work harder and still not accomplish more. Mm-hmm. The building of the church doesn't always equate to numerical attendance. It equates sometimes to spiritual depth. Mm. And I do have to balance that in light of a lot of different things. Are we seeing people transformed? Are we engaging on mission in our location? Are we supporting ourselves? Are we self-sustainable financially? All those sorts of things. Am I having spiritual conversations with people? And the answer to all those things for us is yes. And attendance is one of those things right now that's a big question mark for a lot of folks, for us particular. On a Sunday like that, I just have to remind myself, this is God's church. He's going to build it. And I'm called, I'm convinced that I'm called to be faithful in this time right now to keep my head down, keep working, keep praying, keep serving, keep being faithful as a pastor. Yeah, there is such a constant pressure and weight in the modern paradigm of ministry that we have created of the local church as a centralized organization that... I don't think people, lay people, and this is not trying to diminish lay people. I don't think as, unless, unless you've been, even I wouldn't even say lay people, unless you've been the lead pastor of a church. And we've talked about this on the episode into the liver line. Uh, it, it's hard to grasp what that feels like until you've been there. And so I'll, I'll give the flip to it. I've been doing a lot of guest preaching lately now that I've transitioned to my role and so like this last Sunday, I preached to the church, preached two services, pretty pretty good size growing church that as a church revitalization, one of my mentors been the pastor there for almost 20 years. And I mean, took a dying church and it's now a, you know, pretty significant size church and preaching two services has its own kind of exhausted oh, yeah. nature to it. But, it, but it ain't nothing like preaching one service at a church where you're the pastor. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to my wife about it afterwards because when I walked in, all I had to do was preach, right? If the AC broke, it's not on me. If somebody's marriage starts falling apart and they want to talk to somebody, it ain't going to be me. If somebody's trying to quit their job, quit, you know, quit the staff or any like if all sorts of things that could come up and make sure that all the things are happening the way they're supposed to happen. None of that's on me. All I got to do is after the third song and the prayer, walk up, preach and then walk, sit, sit back down and I'm done. Right (laughs) there. There's just something too that it's there is a tension, Bob, and it's hard to not feel measured and value on yourself based off of your attendance and the the perceived effectiveness of your ministry. I mean, how do we evaluate churches mostly by attendance, buildings and budgets, you know, cash, those sorts of things. So it's easy for us to look at those outward signs and all of those are indicative of something, right? So if you don't have any of that, 
and you're struggling with all of that, then there, there are some issues you need to take a picture of and you need to lean in and look at. But faithful ministry is not only measured by those things or exclusively measured by those things. It is measured in some part by those things. I served with a pastor one time and he said this to me. He said, numbers aren't everything, but they are something, right? That's a good, good piece of advice, right? They're not everything, but they're something. I think we just have to go back to, this is really what we were trying to do when we set out this list on the podcast to say, if you are in a spot and, and no doubt about re, there's some replanters and revitalizers that are listening to us, they're in a tight spot in terms of, you know, they're asking the same questions. Are people coming back? Are we going to survive, et cetera? You got to go back and look at these foundational things that we've talked about, these irreducible minimums. Do those things. Devote yourself to them and, and trust the Lord to build the church. These are really the way that you shepherd the flock that God has given you by pursuing first the kingdom of God, preaching the word, equipping them for ministry, making disciples, engaging the community. But you've got to prepare your heart to, to define success by your faithfulness in those things and not by how, the fruitfulness and uh, the numbers of that but your faithfulness to what God has called you to not, not a laziness. Don't hide behind that idea of faithfulness and, and just give your bare minimum on those things, but giving yourself in a biblical way to those tasks and letting the Lord bring the results. But Bob, how do we lead? How do we lead the church? We don't have to go full into pedo on this, but how do we lead the church as a whole to also embrace this idea of we've, we've got to trust the Lord to build his church, not the pastor, not his preaching ability, not his organizational leadership skills, not our marketing, not our cool band or lights or fog or a great youth group. Because so often, as you and I talk with pastors and churches and talk with church members, we'll hear things like, well, if we just had, right, if we just had a good young pastor, we'd be, we'd be great. If we just had a youth pastor, if we just had some more people, uh, and it, it seems to me, at least when I hear those, a lot of those statements come out of church members as we're talking, that their trust isn't in the Lord. It's in those results and those factors and programs that they hope will bring the results that they want. As you're talking, there's a couple of things that come to mind. One is pr- prayer has just got to be central. Like we just have to continue to be before the Lord, asking him to do what he is purposed to do in and through our church. Right. And we've just got to be pleading with him to push back the lostness and use our people to proclaim the gospel in our culture, in our city, in our context, because that's really where it comes comes down to. It's like the Lord draws people to salvation and he often does that in response to our prayer and our pleading. And so, you know, our prayer and pleading are not the propelling purpose behind the Lord to redeem someone, his love for them and his purpose and his intention for intention for them to draw them to the gospel. But our prayer and our pleading put us in a position where we cooperate with the Lord and where he answers that prayer as we put ourselves in a, in a position of, of prayer and obedience and, and service that aligns our church and its ministries towards that purpose. Because when we, we ask the Lord to save some, then we're responsible to disciple them and care for them and shepherd them. So the next thing, just to segue to that is, are we ready? Would we be ready to receive people, in particular, new believers who come to faith in Christ, right? Are we ready for that? Uh, Would we be in a position where we could care for them well and disciple them and love them well and include them and and fold them in the community well, uh, the community of the church? So those are some things I think to think about 
is that, you know, you can have a great outreach and, and we, Jimbo, you and I have been around enough churches that really grow big and people make decisions to place their faith in Christ, but they're never discipled in those decisions. And then when hard times come along, it's just like the parable of the sower, the, the concerns of life choke that seed out and perhaps it wasn't planted deeply and transformation didn't take place. And, and so I think there's, there's a, a holistic view that we've got to take of the Lord building the church. It's not drawing a crowd only or exclusively. It's not having the best ministries where you have a bunch of students coming to your church or, or young families, et cetera. It's about reaching people with the gospel and helping them grow in the gospel mm-hmm. for the glory of God, for the purposes of God, right? So that's a whole package right there. And, and some churches do a really good job on the front end of that package, but perhaps the pastor or the program, the pastor leaves or the program, you know, goes away. Then what happens to the crowd? We're seeing some of that really in some of the larger churches right now where they, they're not able to do the programs that they used to do that would draw the crowds that gave them the just the, you know, the opportunity to share the gospel, but also kind of this idea that they were maybe being, they were maybe a little better off than they actually were, right? Mm-hmm. So then the program is now gone. I think you, you really got to pull back and look at the big picture on this. We need all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people, but we also need every church activated to make disciples who make disciples. Well, and you have no idea what role it is that God has you playing, right? Yeah. God may have you not playing in a role that results in a lot of numeric growth, but maybe in identifying idolatry and cleansing the church of that and deconstructing some faulty philosophy of ministry and getting it really set up well for whoever it is God calls next to that church or but also it may just be one of those things that's going to take a lot longer. It's probably going to take a lot longer than you thought it was going to take to accomplish what you hope to see God accomplish. I think about how often in the Bible we see, one of the things I started paying attention to a few years ago was when you're reading a narrative in the Bible, pay attention to like the timeline of how many years are being passed, right? Yeah. And so often you'll see in a matter of a verse or two, you just skip three years or five years in, in the timeline, right? And, and we don't hear anything about what happened in those three to five years at all. We just yeah. skip to the next verse. And, and I think sometimes that's the seasons we find ourselves in, in ministry. But that doesn't mean it's not faithfulness, and it doesn't mean it's not being used. And, and I don't want to diminish this idea of just faithfulness. It's not just like God's word doesn't go out in vain. Sure. You just might not get to see as much of the fruit of your ministry as you would like, but yeah. it, it may be one of those things that happens well down the road that you got to be a part of. Yeah. I mean, what does Paul say? Like there's one that plants, there's one that waters, and then there's some that harvest, right? So the glory goes to the guy that's bringing in the harvest on the pit, on the back of the flatbed, right? Mm-hmm. So. Not the guy who plowed the field and planted the seeds and weeded the field and all those sorts of things. And so I think, you know, there are seasons in the church's life where you might be the guy that's there to plow the field, the hardened field up. Mm-hmm. Years and years ago, when when we started the replant blog, I think I wrote a series on seasons in the life of a replant. And I talked about one of the seasons is plowing the field, like going in there with the plow. Mm-hmm. You're the first guy in, there's hard ground. Yeah. There might be stumps in there. There might be, you know, there might be a buried pickup, you know, who knows what you're <laughs> going to run into. And your goal is to 
you got to plow the field. So I think we we find ourselves in situ- situations sometimes where we have a particular call to ministry that maybe it's a planting or a watering or a plowing. And then there's sometimes there's a harvesting. And I think, Jimbo, everybody participated in the harvest in that story, but not everybody had the same job. So if they all were laborers in the field, the question begs itself, well, who did the best job? Well, nobody. Like they all did the same. They all did their job. Mm -hmm. And so maybe we should ask, what's my job in this church? What's my job in this role as a replanter? Um, What's my job in this role as an established pastor? It's not taking over for the replanter. I, I think if we could be clear on that, then, you know, that would help us. And I do think, and I'd love to have your perspective on this. Man, I think some of us are some of us are like the foundation guys. Like we go in and lay the foundation and then move on. And then some guys are the harvest guys. And like everywhere they go, they're the harvest guy and they do all the harvest. So, so I think that, that we may have some, some wiring and some gifting that's uniquely skilled and placed in us by the Lord for a specific purpose. Yeah, absolutely. And I, honestly, I think we might have to do a whole episode on, on that because that ties into why I transitioned out of Redemption Church mm-hmm. and, and knowing it was my, it was my time to step out of there, knowing that my season there was done and, and the blessing of getting to leave, like not like on good terms, like not wanting to leave, but knowing I was supposed to, maybe we do that on a whole another episode coming up. Um, Cause we're kind of hitting the end of our time today. So here's what we do know. We do know at, at minimum, what is your job? What is your role? Well, pursue first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, preach the word, equip the saints for the work of ministry, make disciples who make disciples, engage the community, but trust the Lord to build his church and lead your church to trust the Lord to build his church. And so, look, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your stories. We'd love to hear how God has been using you to plow, to plant, to water, to harvest. Uh, We'd also love to tell you that you can go to our Facebook page, click a link and buy a hoodie or a shirt or some some merch if you want to rock some replant boot camp merch as we work out some of that stuff uh, any proceeds will go to just creating more resources to serve you guys and so we are not i don't think we're not on paper like a nonprofit but we are definitely not profitable <laughs> no we are we are we're investing in this by ourselves we don't have grants we don't have an underwriting benefactor there's no theophilus here we we support the boot camp from our pocketbook yes and, uh, our sponsor gives us a website that's what we yeah, do and so, there you go <laughs> all right guys see you later let us know how we can serve you better Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.